You are listening to the 3CR podcast of In Psychedelia. In Psychedelia is broadcast live every Sunday from 2pm. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. Good afternoon. This is In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio. Uh, thank you very much to the Freedom of Species team. They will be back next week from 1 o'clock. Uh, so tune in then. But this is In Psychedelia now. My name's Nick Wallace and... Ash Blackwell. And we've sort of been saying on the show for a few weeks now that we've got a, had a bit of a project in the background and today we're going to be announcing for you that we're launching a fundraiser to get some new equipment for the show. So we've, um, we've been doing a lot of things. I mean, basically it sort of started in 2012 as a podcast and then 2015 on, on 3CR. Um, so it's, it's more than just uh, a radio show, I guess. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the back end of making this happen, tracking and attending events, taking audio recorders along, uh, fiddling around with equipment that can often be overused and um, uh, not quite working uh, I, I've seen time. Nick <laughs> nearly explode his laptop several times. Oh, gosh. Um, and I've had a, had a few laptops. It's, there's a lot of um, technical equipment that goes into the background and time. So we are calling for some financial support from our listeners out there so that we can upgrade the show and keep bringing you more amazing content from the streets and from around the world. And also helping to uh, bring more people onto the team. You'll hear a diverse range of voices uh, across the show and uh, we help to train people and, and bring people onto the show. There's other people other than us too uh, that are regulars on the show as well. It's a bigger, wider community than us that we want to uh, help um, with the right technical equipment. We do try and highlight the voices of the people that we have on the show, but for a moment we'll just rewind and introduce uh, who we are for people that might be new to the show or might not actually know much about your regular hosts here on In Psychedelia. My name's Nick Wallace. started doing In Psychedelia as a podcast in my bedroom in 2012. Uh, turned into a 3CR radio show in 2015. Um, in that time, I'd also been involved with various um, community organisations like Dancewise, uh, political parties like Australian Sex Party, where I ran as a candidate as well um, on, on drug law reform. Uh, helped found the Australian Psychedelic Society, helped with various film events at State Library, panels at festivals, uh, all sorts of things. And Nick is one of the the first people that I met coming into the space as an activist and he was at all of the events that I showed up for. Um, I also ran as a candidate uh, for the Drug Law Reform Party in the seat of Wills in 2016. I helped found Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia in the start of 2016 and I've been on the ground as an activist for various campaigns such as the Injecting Centre and the High Alert campaign. Uh, this is our 176th episode where we've uh, brought all sorts of voices from uh, from the, the professional side, the clinical experts, academics, politicians, um, but also from the, uh, the, the the grassroots movement, from the people around us, from people that we uh, often call friends as well. So we want to continue bringing together people from the activist communities, bringing this uh, to air on 3CR, but also across our um, social media. Uh, we're rebuilding a website where we want to be a, a central place of information for those that want to uh, see change and see change based on uh, the, the best evidence that's out there and bringing that information to the community as well. We are setting up a Chuffed fundraiser, chuffed.org, that's C-H-U-F-F-E-D, and uh, the fundraiser is just called In Psychedelia Radio Fundraiser, uh, and we'll post that on our social media as well. 
uh, and uh, getting so please check it out share it with your friends with anyone that might be interested and um, while you're there subscribe to the podcast which is uh, getting updated we're going to be throwing out lots more content as this uh, progresses as well essentially what we're trying to say is we are there on the front lines we're part of the community of activists that are calling for this change and um, we want to help keep bringing those communities and networks of people onto the but now on the show uh, the launch of the safer partying initiative from UMSU the University of Melbourne Student Union uh, and led by Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia where students receive tokens to get a free pill testing kit following an information session on uh, Wednesday and then we'll be hearing from Moran Falu Adeni the Global Fellow for uh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy in West Africa. Uh, this is In Psychedelia. My name is Nick Wallace and I am walking through the corridors right now of the uh, Melbourne University Student Union Building uh, right in the centre of the Melbourne University campus in Carlton or Parkville or whatever the suburb here is. Uh, climbing up to level three. And up at level three now in training room one of the student union building is a workshop training session going on. We'll just have a quick look in. Kind of mind when you're partying as well. Yeah. Oh, an interesting point about um, this exchange, so Melbourne University being, I think, I don't need to be committed to take In the background there, you might be able to make out a... Uh, a voice, woman's voice. That voice is the coordinator of the DanceWise program, Steph Genetti's. Uh, the DanceWise program run out of harm reduction Victoria. And today, uh, Steph is here with Students for Sensible Drug Policy, Melbourne University chapter with Nick Kent and Gulliver McLean, uh, helping to launch a new initiative. Um, and we do uh, make posters to prompt people to think in these terms because uh, people will often assume that what they have bought uh, is going to be what they want to be taking and that there's no reason to assume that at all. It's about 50-50 in Australia um, and almost all illicit substances have some kind of contaminant in it. Luckily, most of those contaminants, um, well, at least based on the results from the pill testing in April, are reasonably benign, but then there were also some incredibly high-risk substances in the mix. So what we've got in Australia is an incredibly diverse illicit drug market, and that's why you would want to get as much information as you can about what you're consuming. So we encourage people to think, you know, do you really know what's in your pill? I've said this a couple of times before, but I often think of pills, um, well, they're meant to be like pressed MDMA or ecstasy. Um, I think of them more like sausages uh, because it's just a mix of fillers and, yeah, it's... it's uh, uh, although the crystal MDMA was producing results that were more consistent with it being MDMA than um, pills. But trends change really quickly as well in the illicit drug market. Is something is, uh, is 
about six weeks old, it's essentially redundant. That's, that's why it would be great if we had a massive public health system where you could, um, with drug checking services, where you could keep a regular track on what's going on in the illicit drug market, which is what they have in the Netherlands. Uh, and there is also a European Union um, database where all the 11 um, European drug checking services share their data. So that's fantastic. They get almost like a real-time idea of what's on the streets. We have no idea. We have no idea at all in Australia. Um, Steph, they are speaking yeah, at the so Safer Partying Initiative launch at the University of Melbourne Student Union building today. And I've picked up a few of the supplementary materials, including a, uh, a chart, a colour metric chart, it's known as, which is just basically a fancy word for a a chart with a bunch of colour changes on it, uh, which represents the uh, chemical reactions which happen during a reagent test. Uh, so you put the chemical, the reagent chemical, um, down onto a surface, perhaps a ceramic dish. You put the chemical that you want to test, the drug that you want to test, uh, onto the reagent, and a colour change happens. And you check that against the colour metric chart. Uh, so you find whichever reagent you use, whether it's Marquis, Mandolin, Mech, Simons, Robotest, one of the other uh, various reagents out there. If this is all gobbledygook to you, um, ask a chemist or jump online and look up uh, reagent test kits or drug reagent test kits. Uh, you can find more information at the Students for Sensible Drug Policy website, ssdp.org.au. Uh, you can also find information at unharm, unharm.org, uh, or follow DanceWise on social media or head to dancewise.org.au. Let's take a step back in time now, not too far, just two years. Because uh, if there's one thing that I've learned doing this show, <laughs> it's that these conversations go round and around and around for a long time before anything actually happens. So back to October 2016, when Harm Reduction Victoria hosted a drug policy forum uh, down at the Docklands Library. I think it's called Library on the Dock. Uh, it's full of, it was full on that day of health and human rights professionals, academics and politicians uh, from the Sex Party, uh, which is now the Reason Party, and also the Greens Party. Uh, and I remember it being a pretty packed theatre, nice air conditioning inside, I think it was a pretty warm day outside as well. Um, I mean, these sorts of events, we've been doing these sorts of events for the entirety of this show and even before then, um, and it's just, it's hard to keep up with, with, um, remembering everything, like, oh, make a list or something, we're working on a new website, so maybe that'll be a part of that, uh, so we can remind ourselves of how many, how many times we've had these conversations. David Caldicott is an emergency physician from Calvary Hospital in the ACT with a decades-long history of involvement with the push for pill testing. Back in the early 2000s, David was working alongside a group called Enlighten, who were looking to conduct pill testing at some events in South Australia, uh, and did get to on several occasions as well, and they got some data. You can find that if you look up Enlighten pill testing. Uh, David was more recently involved with the Stay Safe pill testing trial at Groove and the Moo in the ACT earlier this year, and he's been working tirelessly behind the scenes to see a common sense harm reduction initiative be seen as a bloody common sense harm reduction initiative. 
There is now no credible academic left in the country who doesn't think that this should happen, that we should be doing pill testing in Australia. There's nobody left. They all left or they, they were abducted by aliens or something. But there's nobody left who doesn't think we should be doing this. So it's a political thing. It's just a political thing that's stopping us doing this now. Um, I might take this opportunity, so that was something new. This is something old, because we've been doing this for ages. This is from 2002. Our comments on pill testing uh, from your parliamentary inquiry are in here if you want to re revise them. And it's actually saved me a lot of time as well, because I don't have to show you the data, which I would have shown you anyway, because it's, uh, I've been showing you this for 15 years. Um, also something new, this uh, really good report on uh, pill testing, I think commissioned by our, our elected colleague in the front row, you should read it. It's really strong, and particularly from a legal perspective. So, why do we want to do this? Well, we want to discourage problematic uh, drug consumption patterns. We don't pretend we're going to stop people using drugs. Nobody can stop people using drugs. They're going to use drugs. Uh, we want to stop chronic and acute harms. Um, this, the, the identity of what people are consuming is a currency with which we can engage with a population that otherwise is not engaging with anyone. They don't regard themselves as problematic drug users, they're functional drug users. In many ways, they're using drugs to get them through life, because life in Australia can be awful for some people. <laughs> um, and it also promotes risk-conscious behaviour. So rather than double or triple dropping your pill, particularly in the market that we have at the moment, you're going to think about what you're doing. It, it's a cause for pause. I get this all the time. I get it, I'm sending the wrong message. And the only answer that I have about that is, what the fuck are you on? How can this be sending the wrong message? Are you, have you read anything? Are you listening? I am trying to persuade young people to use drugs in a more moderate way. How can this be sending the wrong message? In the new market, of course, in this pill testing, drug checking uh, miasma, of course, there's new reasons to be uh, doing pill testing. It can give you analytically robust information on what's coming out into the market. It allows us to get really rapid information out to consumers at the point of consumption immediately. And it also allows us to identify standards, like chemical standards, against which we can test different drugs. So from a purely pragmatic, analytical perspective, there are an abundance of reasons to introduce this. I, I don't have to show you this graph. Anybody who's in this space will have seen this graph a million times. As far as drugs are concerned, we are drinking from the fire hose. There is no chance that anybody can keep up with the market at the moment. This is the final slide of the peak analytical agency from the United States of the International Association of Forensic Toxicology. They are drowning in drugs. They cannot keep up. This is the Americans. For the Australians to pretend they're anywhere near is a farce. So we went along to these laws. I applaud. We have friends in the audience who are uh, uh, dispensing uh, pill testing kits at uh, universities. I, I, I think that is, I applaud that approach. I would say, be nervous, be cautious how you do that, because I'm not sure they're going to pick everything that is dangerous for you. If we can provide them a service, the, the, the inclination to test is there. Now it's up to the grown-ups to actually provide the service that is required. So they want to do this. Why aren't we providing them with this service? And one of the fascinating things that you can do, one of the greatest arguments that put, put, is put against us is that pill testing is all about just using the reagent testing. It's a, it's a political maneuver, it's a, it's a high school debating trick to say that actually it's, it's called building a straw man, where you argue against an argument that actually isn't the argument in the first place. So in fact what we're talking about is technology that is above and beyond everything that is being proposed or being suggested by the politicians as what we're about to do. This is so interesting to the analytical agent uh, companies, the people who are designing this tech. They have offered us to give us the tech. The companies themselves 
God gives the tech so that we can trial it in the field because it's a great. I mean, the only thing that you can do short of going to a music festival is going to war. You know, the, the way you test this kit is by bringing it out to rough places. So they want to give us kit. Here's something blue. This is a very exciting thing, and because I love you guys, particularly dance-wise, I've saved this up, and it's so difficult for me to keep a secret, and you'll understand. But I have something blue here. It's the blue from the United Nations uh, Office of Drug Control, uh, where I was two weeks ago. And look, I don't think English is their first language, but I'm going to read this out. <laughs> so they're, and, and they're lovely. I don't want, you can cut that. They're lovely. <laughs> So the UNODC, those of you who are involved in this political space, will understand that traditionally they've had a very prohibition approach to this. But this is on their, from their Novel Psychotropic Substance Committee, which I was foolish enough to be invited upon. Um, novel problems for novel, uh, for, for novel solutions, it should be an, uh, an opportunity to reinvent ourselves and help people from dying. One way to persuade people is to analyse drugs which they are consuming, which can keep track of a variety of drugs. This is from the office of the UNODC. So, in fact, we've got to a place where in Australia, the UNODC is more liberal than the Australian government. <laughs> How did that happen? Where are we going as far as Duterte is concerned? This, I also had the chance to catch up with my mates in uh, Check It. This is the sort of tech that they're doing at the dance parties in, uh, in, in Europe. So they've got four HPLCs and a, a LCMS running in parallel out of the back of a freaking van and an MTOF, a QTOF available to them if they need it. To, to suggest that that's not possible in Australia just says we don't understand how electricity works. That's the equivalent. <laughs> and this is how it works. This is very similar. The only thing that's different between this and DanceWise is DanceWise is already doing this with just missing the machinery. I mean, this could be done tomorrow in Australia. And of course they put the results up. In, in the window, the high streets, so they're available for anybody. This is not going backwards. This is my friend Fiona Misha um, from, from uh, the UK, who is in fact now using uh, time of flight uh, methodology in Cambridgeshire, with the blessing and encouragement of the, the local police. So this is something that's actually expanding. This is a chap who should be in, oh yeah, I'm gone. This is a chap who should be in, in, in jail. This is Ross Bell from the New Zealand Drug uh, Foundation. And this is actually from a meeting that we had in New Zealand, uh, in Wellington, uh, only about a month ago. Because yes, it's, you're absolutely right to put your hands in the air, it's a lovely place, love it. Um, and and they, they were more than happy, the Ministry of Health, more than happy to sit down and chat about drug checking. Not drug checking as just drug checking, but drug checking as a part of an early warning system. Because that's the real role in this. It's not just, you know, to facilitate you guys. I know you're Generation Y, you think there's all to it. But there's, you're not. there's more than just Generation Y out there. It's part of a broader program. So this is what we've got as far as new and dangerous drugs are concerned in Australia. Okay? The first thing we know about a new and dangerous drug is we're actually swamped with bodies. Uh, we have no way of knowing what's coming onto the market. And of course, rather than just merely photographing, you know, bad things that happen after they've happened, the Germans, with their pragmatic approach, with the Indonesians, set up an early warning system. And I put it to you that that's what pill testing and drug checking is all about, in an expanded way. So if you look at Australian monitoring systems, what we've got is we've got a new drug <coughs> rocking up. It creates some seismic waves, we do some surveys, maybe some seizures from customs and whatever are checked, and that's all we know. I, how, how slow is that? How dumb is that when you consider all the other points of identification we could be at? So instead of just doing that, 
we could be looking at the sort of sonic probe of being on the floor of the music festival, identifying things right there at the point of consumption. The ambulances, I've been, I, I lectured at Monash, the, the Mike and Paramedics at Monash, they all could be giving us information from amnesties. The EDs, the emergency departments, static testing like in DIMS, that could be done anywhere. Instead of looking at this disaster of a system that we have at the moment, merely annotating the deaths that are occurring in Australia at a regular basis. So every system has its flaws. I'm not saying this is going to save us all. It's not going to save us all. Nothing is analytically perfect. And, but it's not just the analytical system here we're talking about. We're talking about a whole of care package here. It gives us far more information than we had before and makes us much more persuasive than we ever have been before. And as the French would say, le mieux est l'ennemi du bien. So the very best is the enemy of just good. I've left Melbourne University now, uh, walking down the street towards, down Peel Street, Peel Street towards Harm Reduction Victoria, uh, alongside many of the students who attended this morning's meeting, so that they can use their tokens to pick up a pill test kit. It's the University of Melbourne Student Union's Safer Party Initiative, which is like a harm reduction, um, harm reduction program. It's a whole strategy. Like the free reagent pill testing kits that we're handing out are only one part of this broader strategy, and um, you know it's it's just as important to have people being educated about all these things as having an actual free kit that they can take home um, and know the limitations of the kit that you're using. And you know reagents aren't perfect; they're better than nothing, but really it's like there's a clear demand here for a GCMS or FTIR um, machine that they can use that they can you know send their pill into or whatever and get a result that's actually going to be more accurate Um, and you know that's that's a long way off in terms of like we don't really know where the policy is going what's going to happen with that it'll depend on elections and things but in the meantime like we can get universities to come on board and do those sorts of things and um, it's a really, really good way of just getting people involved. Like, it's it makes people realise like the possibilities of pill testing being this thing that actually, yeah, we can fight for this. Actually, yeah, we can be a self-sustaining community. So, if you're a student at Melbourne Uni, then you can. We'll be having some regular workshops. We'll probably have another one um, later in the year. You can check out um, Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia's website, which is sstp.org.au, um, and there's a little just web page on there that's got the chapters that we have all around Australia um, and yeah you can check there if there's already a chapter or if there's one that's about to set up or people want to come together but you know aren't yet you know fully um, fully set up but you're yeah anyone is welcome to set up a chapter or join a chapter um, and we'll yeah help you through that process and we really want to work with the student unions um, all around the country to to get this program everywhere 
So we had one of our other chapters at ECU, Edith Cowan University in um, Perth. They have done a slightly um, similar pill testing um, kit handout um, they did recently. Thank you, Gulliver. Cool, thank you. In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just 30 You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. This is Ash on Encyclopedia Radio on 3CR, uh, 3cr.org.au and live on the airwaves at 8.55am. And we're speaking today with Moron Fulu, who is the Global Fellow for Students for Sensible Drug Policy and doing some organizing in West Africa. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Hash. Good to be here. Um, so do you want to maybe start with introducing who you are and how you came to be focused on drug policy reform? Okay, I'm Morinfolo Adeni. I'm a Nigerian. I'm currently the Global Fellow for West Africa for Students for Sensible Drug Policy. We are currently the only student organization dedicated to ending the war on drugs in our region. And we are in five countries in West Africa. Nigeria, Ghana, Gambia, Liberia, and Syria alone. And we are hoping to start up in few Francophone countries very soon. And um, I got to know about um, SSDP as a curious young African who wants to create change in my own way, little way, to contribute to the prosperity of my continent. I was offered the internet where I met SSDP and I read about it. I got interested in the ideas and especially that concerns the rights of human beings, which is one of my goals to pursue happiness for human, mankind in my own way. So I got involved. I spoke with the International Outreach Coordinator at that point, Jake Aglieta. And um, from there, 2014, I started gradually. Though the journey has been rough and interesting and it's promising at the same time. And uh, it's four years now, and um, we're going. They're getting more popular. They're getting more known. And people are beginning to embrace the ideas gradually Um, because we are brought up with knowing drugs is bad, 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 bad. And we've never had any positive about drugs. But here we are having young, young people growing up, trying to see the advantages and also the demerit of drugs, which has to do with poor education and poor enlightenment by government and the media. And we are doing more campaigns, more sensitization of individuals, children and general public on the dangers of substance abuse. Likewise, we are talking about the social and economic importance of drugs too. So it's 
a two-way thing, and we are hoping to let people know more about drugs. Thank you. And um, what are the particular challenges that are maybe more unique to, to your region? How does drug policy reform look in Africa that might be a little bit different to how we might know it in Australia or the United States, for example? Yeah, no, um, there are various challenges global, but here in Africa, I think in Nigeria in particular, or let me say West Africa, because we share um, the ECOWAS treaty together. And um, there's an ECOWAS treaty that is the economic community of West African states. And most of the drug enforcement agencies, they have a coalition where they operate together, like transborder crimes and the likes. But in, yeah, part of the world, one of the differences is that there are lack of treatment facilities, there are lack of good rehabilitation and social integration and facilities at the same time. And um, the word there is um, enforcement and imprisonment. And the government um, does more to fund the aspect of um, drugs that deals with the right, the social, and um, cultural reality of drug users. Drug users here in my region are seen basically as criminals and not as patients. So any option for rehabilitation is not always welcomed. But I think with time, the status quo is going to change and it's changing gradually. So here, poor sensitization, poor guidance, the prosecutors and the lawyers see it as bad. No harm reduction practices, treatment facilities is poor, and mostly it is a criminal offense. So, and all these laws are, are done with a punitive criminal justice responses at the expense of human rights and public health. Yeah, thank you. And are you finding that people are receptive to the message of harm reduction? Yes, they have, because um, we have been able to give people um, various options, especially when it comes to curbing and reducing the HIV epidemic, which has been uh, one of our major approaches, like the syringe exchange program and the likes, and um, giving people more awareness on why we need to manage this situation properly, and not forgetting... Um, that a stitching time saves nine, and we need to do more prevention, more prevention before we want to cure this um, this social problem. We tend to they tend to time it in Nigeria. So I feel arm reduction is gaining momentum, and most um, organizations, health practitioners, families, um, and school organizations and faith-based organizations tend to be more interested when we talk more about arm reduction in drug policy. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more receptive to the, the discussion of harm reduction than those, those bigger policy approaches like legalization or decriminalization. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, it does. And what about politically? Um, I know here, here and um, well, here in Australia, we have several minor parties that have some measure of political power, and they some of the smaller parties tend to be more supportive of reform. What 
does the political landscape in Nigeria or in West Africa look like in terms of political power, uh, people with political power supporting reform? Yes, um, in this region, it's not been really um, successful, though civil society organizations are really doing a lot to see how they could um, have influential personalities come into play in helping us have a reform in drugs. Um, oh, well, the approach most of the political powers are, are trying to approach is a mental health. I think they are trying to do more of um, reviewing the mental health bills, which they think it's an approach to helping start up rehab centers to also, one way or the other, affect um, drug policy problem. But we tend to let them understand there are two different things and why they should um, decriminalize and give them options and um, examples, global examples. But political parties in Nigeria are not too really um, interested in drug policy reform because here in Africa, in West Africa, they tend to be more moral. They tend to be more moral approach, and um, a party that tends to preach drug policy legalization as is seen as immoral and thereby losing the audience. But in cases where we tend to have individuals who have been orientated and who understand or who happens to be one time or the other be involved with advocacy is in power. So it is going to be easier for us to approach such an influential person to help us um, make sure these views go into place. And thereby, it's going to be a win for the civil society organizations in our own way. But going through a political party for them to campaign Positively for drug policy reform, my brother, it's it's not it's not currently not achievable. But I believe by the time we have, we have more enlightenment, like telling people government waste great funds on repression rather than financing efficient prevention, treatment, and reduction measures, that governments are responsible for correcting false perception of drugs and people use them by providing evidence-based information, then people will tend to see, oh, we waste so much tax on this. If we do this, we might be able to um, spend more on that and do this by helping people. And we have more money from the trade of cannabis and the likes. Then I think um, then we can start talking about having political parties campaigning through that measure. But for now, it's not welcomed. And um, every party wants to win the masses. And going for such an approach is, is zero from inception. It's not achievable currently. And what about in the region? I've seen on the internet some things coming out of Ghana. It looks like there's a lot of activity there, a lot of people um, getting involved. Is there some progress there? Yes, Ghana, Ghana is um, actually one of the top leading countries in West Africa, when it comes to cannabis um, advocacy, they, they are ahead of us because um, some influential figures have come out of government and are currently in the um, advocacy community. Like a former, uh, a former secretary of the Ghana Enforcement Agency is one of the top um, drug decriminalization 
person in Africa and is very vast knowledge. And so it's easy for him to influence some certain decisions in Ghana. And we also have Senegal. They, 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 do, they have done greatly Dakar in, in uh, arm reduction approaches and it's becoming popular there in Senegal too. And the government are helping. And in Ghana, we, we are positive of good results. And a Ghana community society is, um, is achievable considering their size and considering the numbers of um, civil society organizations in Ghana. It is possible with something positive comes out of it very soon. And in, I'll have to go to East Africa a bit. In Kenya, there's a bill currently in the House that they're about to pass on legalization of um, cannabis, and it's been getting a lot of momentum. And I feel just like South Africa did recently, some other countries in West Africa will be joining the joining that team very soon. Yeah, thank you. And that that bill in Kenya um, is that for all adult use, or is it a medical cannabis bill? Yeah, it's still um, you know it's we it's going to be medical cannabis, medical cannabis, and um, at the same time, um, I had a friend a friend in our office two days ago, got a mail that just like cannabis was legalized in Canada, it's legal, it's legal for a staff of our organization in Kenya to also take cannabis at work. Yeah, so we are beginning to have, we are beginning to have more awareness and more involvement of um, why cannabis and some other drugs should be legal in the African continent. But we know Rome was not built in a day. And for to get there, it, we need more persistency, resilience, research, and um, continued advocacy.
And that was Fela Kuti with Obey. Fela Kuti is a famous Nigerian musician, one of the creators of Afrobeat, and an activist who was arrested over 200 times. And we're going to go back to the second half of our interview now with Moran Falu Adani, who is the Global Fellow for Students for Sensible Drug Policy in West Africa. I'm curious about uh, what what your coalition of partners and allies look like, what what are some of the people and organizations that you've been partnering with? Well, good. Um, we've been working with various organizations. We work with Utrise Nigeria. Um, Utrise Nigeria has been in the forefront of um, drug policy advocacy in Nigeria. Um, we work with International Drug Policy Consortium. We they have in the African Ham. We've worked with um, Open Society Initiative for West Africa. We've worked with um, National Drug Law Enforcement Agency in Nigeria, the NACOB in Ghana. We work with DEA in Gambia, Drug Enforcement Agency in Gambia, and West Africa Drug Policy Network, which is um, the top um, organization when it comes to drug advocacy on the African, on the West African continent. And West, recently, we we are in touch with West Africa Commission on Drugs which is an arm of Global Commission on Drugs. And we have other Students for Liberty too, is um, the largest for liberty student network in, in Africa. And we've been in collaborations with them also. And we have some other little think tanks, maybe in, in each state or in universities that we go into partnership with them. For example, in some tertiary institutions, we work with the Students' Union government you understand that in some states in Nigeria, we work with some top student advocacy networks. And we work with the pharmaceutical society, then we work with the Ministry of Health across various regions in the continent. So now that has been some of our top um, achie- achievement and drive in ensuring we have smooth communication and collaborations with other think tanks in, in the region. Thank you. That all sounds very positive. Do you? Um, how do you feel about the next few years? Then, what? What do you think the the key wins that you um, you think you might be able to achieve look like? Yeah. Um, actually, I we where we got to this year, I never I never believed we might have gotten there because last year we were a bit optimistic of achieving certain things, but this year. I'll tell you, we, last year we were in just um, three states in Nigeria, but as I speak with you, we are now in 16 Nigerian states out of 36, and uh, before the year runs out, our target is to have 20 states with at least five, between five to 10 universities in each state in the country. Likewise, in Ghana, we hope to be in all regions of Ghana, you know, in size and number, Nigeria is more. So in Ghana, we want to be in all regions in Ghana between now and December. We're already in four. And um, having our um, strength in Accra, which is the capital, and in Sierra Leone, which I just had recent minutes ago, I spoke with the country coordinator. We have plans to, to increase our, um, our outreach there. Though countries like Syria and Liberia have been affected 
by the aftermath of the civil war that lasted a lot of years in those countries. So the cases of drugs in those countries is, um, is affected by high rate of poverty and neglect and poor integration of these people from the aftermath of the war back to the society. Because the drug problem in those countries is actually different from what some other countries globally might have. Unemployment, poverty, family separation are at times some of the problems some of those countries faces. But I believe with our roadmap, which we are launching very soon, would have um, a goal to follow. And do that goal, one of the key things is education, treatment, rehabilitation, and social integration. Likewise, arm reduction. So those are some of the key things we are trying to look at. Uh, we need to make referrals. We need to make sure government reduces the, the criminal sanctions. We need to make sure um, community services are being used instead of imprisonment. You have prisons that are filled. A prison that is meant to be for five people, at times you might find over 100 people there. So and government has to feed them. Government has to provide for them. And um, it's at the expense of the tax people pay. So I feel the money derived from people's tax should be spent judiciously for the total well-being of the citizens. And there should be comprehensive data of people who use drugs, the families, the public health specialists, law practitioners that are interested in the area of drugs, drug and demand reduction. So I think we need evidence-based and realistic policies that will serve as successive metrics to reduction of harm. Then we provide security and welfare to the society rather than punitive measure that has killed more people than drugs itself. Thank you. Bro. I'm curious about maybe, uh, I, I always wonder how, um, Helping an advocate in this space like might change your own perspective and and um, things that you've learned personally and challenges that you might have faced by stepping into the advocacy space so strongly. Yes, um, actually, um, I grew up in um, in a society that is basically known for drug trafficking and trade. And um, I grew up in an environment where people take the substances. And I could measure between the arm of drugs and government's brutal policies. And I could see instances where people needed help and couldn't get it and died as a result of um, governments being hostile and not having alternative to treatments for people. And I've seen cases where people would take drugs, come out to be very successful individuals because they had the wealth and the money. So I feel these policies are targeted at the weak and the poor and the vulnerable of the society. While the rich, the influential, the powerful are left going about. So I feel there should be a check and balance in society that the law that catches the rich, the laws that affect the rich should also 
affect the poor, not inequalities of um, the law. Yeah, so I feel that was one of the reasons why I feel I could come in here, help people get a better life. I could come in here, make sure everybody are not being castigated or stigmatized for what they use or what they ingest in their body. I could come in here to make sure the rights of everybody are being respected, no matter where you are or where you are. I could come in here and see there should be disparity between the sex and the gender. I could come in here and see public health of everybody should be taken seriously. I could see here that the punitive and criminal justice responses to drug problem has failed and we need a more positive drug control approach. I could come in here and see that people who have problematic drug users are human beings too and deserve to be respected. They deserve to be loved. They deserve to be cared for. And though it has not been easy because I, you have to invest your personal resources um, as um, individuals here in, our, in this part of the world are not willing to um, put in their resources in drug control problem. So it takes only grace of um, sacrifice and passion of few individuals to use their own personal resources to make refer, take people to rehabilitation centers, to do care for people, to provide food and some useful materials for people. And that is why I feel we need to promote the, the education, not incarceration approach. We need to promote the support, don't punish approach. And we need to put out there to also know that all life matters. And no matter where you are, no matter where you live, you should also look at to someone in Africa or somewhere in the world that is suffering because of bad government policies, that is suffering because the prosecutors and the lawyers are not informed. And for them to be informed, they could also contribute some of their resources to help some people doing this advocacy become a reality. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Um, might sort of wrap it up soon, but I'm, I, I wonder, do you have um, any last messages uh, from, from the drug policy community in Africa or any messages for other activists in Australia or around the world? Oh, I have message for them. And the messages I have is... Um, Number one, responses um, that are rational and pragmatic um, are relinquished in ideologies and renounce illusions about a drug-free society. But I feel if all of us across the world can come together and offer solutions to government problems, by offering arm reduction services and making sure drug users globally can have access to care and treatment. And make governments know that their approach has failed and their approach has killed more people than drugs itself. 
then political and religious leaders must show respect and to dignity and the right of everybody. So drug users shouldn't be stigmatized and um, everybody to come together in no matter the race, your color, either black or white, see, see everyone as your family, as your friend, and let the campaign and sensitization continue. But one word matters, let's all be our brothers keepers and render help to where you think you can. Thank you very much. And that was Moranfalu Adeni, the Global Fellow for Students for Sensible Drug Policy in West Africa. And uh, congratulations once once more to Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia and uh, the University of Melbourne Student Union for the launch of the Safer Partying Initiative this week. And remember that next Saturday is election day, so make sure you get out there and vote and watch our social media space for stories about the election. Uh, And again, we have launched a fundraiser to help us uh, serve the community better, to help uh, those on our team uh, collect the stories that you like to hear. Choft.org slash Encyclopedia Radio Fundraiser, and you'll also find it on our social media. Don't forget to subscribe at precr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. And stay tuned because Queering the Air is coming up next. This is Encyclopedia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear in Psychedelia live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.